0: Hello and welcome to the Final Front Podcast. It is great to have your company and welcome to our weekend preview. As always, on a Thursday slash Friday, and it's going to be Friday for the next couple of weeks, we are joined by Time Forms, Mark
1: Milligan. Good afternoon and uh, apologies once again for my uh, slightly iffy voice. As everyone knows, I was very much under the weather last week. I am slowly but surely making a recovery and I'll try and keep... The coughing fits to a minimum, this
0: one. Any truth in the rumours that you have been taking medicines similar to that that Forte was on for top Fletcher?
1: <laughs> I can't possibly confirm or deny those rumours.
0: Notice how I said medication. I didn't say anything <laughs> particularly wrong about that. That whole thing is blowing up. Plus, Sylvester D'Souza just got handed a 10-month ban in Hong Kong. Uh, we'll break all that down on Sunday with Lucy Russell-Hughes, uh, and with Sam uh, as well. We're looking forward to delving into some of the big stories and, of course, the big races from the weekend. But we have another guest on the show uh, from TalkSport, a colleague of mine there, Tom Lunn. Welcome to the Final forum Podcast for your debut, my friend.
2: Hello. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on, Tom. Um, quick line on the classic trials that we've seen so far, lads. Uh, Mark. Save the Last Dance, terrific name, that Julia Stiles film. I'm sure that's exactly why Sue Magner gave her that name. Uh, <laughs> she was devastatingly impressive. It didn't look like she might win at the halfway point, And in the end, she's absolutely blitzed them. One of the most visually impressive performances that we've seen. Obviously, Arrest has gone on to do what he did, at San Antonio. Who was the real standout for you? And, and who did Timeform rave about?
1: Yeah, it's it saved the last dance all the way for us at time form. Initially, but I, I'm sure many people were the same. Watching the race live, you're thinking, well, that literally is a race that's just fallen apart in bad ground, isn't it? And mm. She can't possibly be as good as she looks. But when we've delved into it more and we've come up with the final time figure and the sectionals, everything about it suggests that, that we're dealing with a top-class filly here in Save the Last Dance. And and she was she was wildly impressive, wasn't she?
0: She was stunning. And she's now 13 to 8 for the Oaks, which isn't necessarily a price that I want to be getting stuck into. And I'm sure there will be more water under that bridge with the Musidora and other trials in between Irish 1000 guineas may very well have a, an effect too. But Tom, for you, from the classic trials that you've seen at Chester over the last couple of days, who really impressed you?
2: Yeah, I mean... To, just to echo that, yeah, Save the Last Dance was incredible. I mean, to do that not only on soft ground but at Chester, which is a pretty difficult racetrack to get right in general, is is incredible. But then also I think Arrest needs to be mentioned as well just for for winning by over six lengths to Adelaide River. Yeah,
0: and he's got uh, some pretty decent form, Adelaide River. And I know that Arrest had held him on French form from last year. <laughs> But given Aiden O'Brien's record in that race, to be able to win and push him away as comfortably as they did, I think that should be given proper, proper consideration. Uh, Sam, Lucy, and I will all get stuck into it on Sunday, but uh, that's the early thoughts on the Classic Trials. Of course, more Classic Trials on the way uh, at Linkfield, where it's switched to the all-weather. I've seen some jokes on social media about how... They're going to do the same for the Derby. It'll be switched to Chelmsford on a Monday at 10 a.m. so it doesn't interfere with loose women. (laughs) Um, It's the poly track, and at least the classic trials have been saved. Uh, Aidan O'Brien has taken his runners out of the Lingfield Derby trial, uh, but in the Phillies version, the Oaks trial... He's got the favourite Be Happy, Ryan Moore, Aidan O'Brien, uh, their old rivals, Godolphin, Charlie Appleby, and William Buick. 100 to 30 is the current betting on Eternal Hope. Then Bright Diamond, a 9 to 2 shot, uh, and Perfect Profit with Oshin Murphy, who's been having a great time of things recently, uh, a 7 to 1 shot. There's another Godolphin runner in there with Rob Horn- Hornby on board, Sunset Point, 8 to 1. Mark, how have you split this classic trial? Who really stands out to you?
1: Yeah, I was keen on Be Happy in here, um, notwithstanding that. She's got to prove herself on the all-weather surface. But there are, for me, there are two outstanding three-year-old fillies, in, certainly in the middle distance category, that we've seen so far this spring. One of them is the, the filly we just spoke about, Save the Last Dance. And the other one is a, a filly of Andre Farbe's called Ponce du Jeu, who we've talked about on the Final Furlong podcast before. And she could be a real superstar, and it was no disgrace for Be happy to finish third to her in the pre-Penelope at saint clude on her reappearance. I think that was a, a marked step up from what she'd achieved in two starts as a two-year-old. Interestingly, they've decided to come to Lingfield rather than the Musidora. She was in the Musidora next week at York. They've chosen this instead. For me, on what we've seen so far... She sets the standard in here, and there could be more to come from Be Happy.
0: Yeah, and it's a race, Aiden O'Brien has won in the past, um, he has only won it once in the last 10 years uh, with 7th Heaven, but 7th Heaven turned out to be a very, very good horse, and he has won it multiple times prior to that as well. I think you're right, and we have talked about that French filly, and obviously we'll be talking about her a little bit later on as well. Uh, But Tom, where have you landed on the Oaks trial?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd have been happy to go with be happy as well. Um, I was quite disappointed to see Sea of Roses uh, taken out because I was going to be all over that. But I think for something of an each way bet, uh, Ferrari Queen, who is an uh, interesting runner by Decorated Knight, uh, she's already raced in two group races, just hasn't quite been up there at the finish in those races, but um, has Richard King's coat on board. It's very fresh. Uh, last been seen in the Phillies mile. And I think could really take a good step up. I think the the pedigree suggests that as well.
0: Coming in with a 10 to 1 shot for your first tip on the Final front Podcast. That's what we love. <laughs> you can't eat That's value, true. but it can get you a whole heap of gravy. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm loving that. So a 10 to 1 about Ferrari Queen. Uh, I'm with Mark in the Be Happy camp, but she is getting quite short now. Um, I can't imagine, Mark, she's going to get much shorter than she is, though. Like surely, by the time Saturday morning comes around and these markets are actually far more liquid and far more alive, she should be a, a somewhat more valuable price.
1: Yeah, you would like to think so because she's although she is a, certainly on on our figures, she's a little way clear of the next two or three in here. She's not massively clear of them, and there are several other likely improvers in here, aren't they? Charlie Appleby's Eternal Hope, for instance, and he's also got Sunset Point in there, and you can throw in John and Thady Gosden's Gahara as well. So there are there are plenty of potential improving lightly raced fillies in here. So you'd like to think that Be Happy's price might be a little bit more competitive on the day.
0: One of the last fourteen horses to run in the Oaks Trial has gone on to win the Oaks. It was Anapurna back in 2019. Uh, that same year, Lingfield also produced the Derby Trial winner. It was Anthony Van Dyke, the late, great Anthony Van Dyke, who we suddenly lost in Australia. Uh, it's 40 horses have run in the Derby Trial. Uh, one has gone on uh, to win in recent years. Uh, the market is headed this time by military order. 5-4 to four for Godolphin, uh, William Buick, Charlie Appleby, Sir Michael Stout's got Circle of Fire for the King and the Queen Consort. 100-30. Inquiring Minds again for the Gosden team, 9-2. to two, And then Laffey, a 9-1 to one shot for William Haggis, uh, Oshin Murphy teams up with um, Andrew Balding his boss and uh, they've got 10 to 1 shot Nadawi in here at Lingfield Derby Trial Tom take us away who do you like in the Fitzdares Lingfield Derby Trial stakes
2: Well I started off with a 10 to 1 shot but I'm going to be boring go for the the favorite and the Godolphin because <laughs> there's not much you can't really you just have to go for the Godolphin horse that looks the best in this um whether that translates to Or whether, I'm not sure, but I think if you can ignore that, I think has a really good chance of of justifying the short price.
0: Yeah, brother to Derby winner, Adéar, for the yard as well. And it is difficult to get away from this fella. Mark, if you've managed to find something or unearth something that you want to take him on with, I'm all ears. Circle of Fire is intriguing, but he'd need to improve, in my mind, a military order with the benefit of a run already. This really should be a race he's taking.
1: Yeah, he's clearly, clearly going to take all the beating, isn't he? That was a a most taking performance last time out at Newbury, quickened up in the style of a a smart prospect, which you'd expect him to be. He's a full brother to a uh, day isn't he? So, you know, he's bred to be a star. But if if there's another horse in here who could be a star, it could well be John and Thady Gosden's inquiring minds. I thought he looked sensational on his debut at Newcastle. That came just 10 days ago. So he's obviously got to back up relatively quickly. And he does concede a little bit of experience to these. But visually, it was most taking. Look, it's hard to go too overboard on the race as a whole because it was run at a bit of a joke gallop. It developed into. Uh, a three furlong sprint, essentially, but the way he que- the, the way he cleared away from laser guided there suggests that that he's a horse who can seriously go places this season. And what was almost as impressive as the race itself was what happened after they'd passed the post, in that he took the best part of half the track before Rab Havlin could pull him up, and. He's got stamina on the damn side of his pedigree. So I don't think he'll have any trouble staying this extra couple of furlongs. He's around about an 11 to 2 shot. He's well entered up. They clearly think plenty of him. I thought at 11 to 2, he was worth taking against a favourite who, for me, will clearly take all the beating, but he's a very short price now.
0: Yeah, I suppose the difference here is that military order has said the three starts. He's absolutely murdered a horse who's rated 90 on his seasonal comeback. And he's been a short price on all three starts, which suggests he's basically been odds-on and even money all three starts, which for all the Godolphin, you know, the perception would be, oh yeah, they don't bet because it's Sheikh Mohammed. Yeah, they do. Uh, they clearly do. Their horses who are good are always well-backed, like the Coolmore horses. Um, and it's it can tell you an awful lot about how good one of these horses can be if their market price is significantly shorter than it should be. So they clearly hold him in very high regard. He's a brother to a Derby winner. There's a lot going for him. But you are right about inquiring minds. That was really impressive. And Laser Guided cost 400 grand, was having his third start, and he murdered him, and murdered him easily. And the point you made about just how long it took for Rabhausen to pull him up is an excellent one. And that's always a good indication about how good a horse could be. Just wander around Lingfield with only the the benefit of just one run, and that only being 11 days ago by the time the race comes around, if that's going to be a bit too much for him. But the compensation is the 11 to 2 price that you're getting, so uh, you're either with Tom and I, a military order, or... The big danger in inquiring minds at 11-2, to 2, and it probably makes more sense to be with the 11-2 to 2 shot. Uh, we shall switch to Ascot, where the ground is soft, but they're not switching to the all-weather, because there is not an all-weather track, although the form does <laughs> translate very well uh, from the sand to Ascot. It. It's the Phillies Handicap 205, live on ITV4, and of course on Sky as well. Um, Godolphin will be trying to get back into the winner's enclosure with Mountain Song, a 4-1 to shot. The market is headed by Timeless Melody, having her fourth start. For William Haggis and Adam Frere taking three pounds off Julia Augusta for Roger Varian and David Egan is a five to one shot daughter of Ulysses who has been thriving uh, at stud. Mark who do you like in the first race we're talking about at Ascot?
1: Yeah I think this is a good race isn't it we've um, we've got several fillies in here who are quite likely raced who could go on to be much better than the marks it's competitive the likes of of Mountain Song Charlie Appleby, Harry Davis on board. But I just wonder if the handicapper has taken a chance here in putting Timeless Melody in off a mark of 80 for her first handicap. I thought she did it nicely in a novice contest at Leicester last time. The ground was heavy, so she'll have no trouble at all going through what we presume will be soft ground at Ascot on Saturday. She just, look, she's not a massive price in what could be a decent race. It just strikes me as the handicapper having taken a bit of a risk here. Yeah, sticking her in off a, a mark of 80 when she could potentially be a 90 plus filly, she could have upwards of 10 pounds in hand, which would make her very, very difficult to beat.
0: Yeah, that was a, a quite a bit of a comeback when she'd, she'd been off the track for 371 days, I see in the Racing Post's um, form guide. Thank you, Racing Post. When you do things well, we will happily praise you. Um, it did it again, though, earlier on, Mark. It reset all my race card settings. Again. Every bloody day. Deary me. Uh, but that was wildly impressive. And she sluiced through the mod easily. So uh, I, I think I'm with you overall. Um, Tom Lund, can you steer me away from Tomless Melody, or are you going in with us?
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, going in with you. That one, completely. Daughter of
0: Teofilio and William Haggis took this race four years ago, so knows exactly what's required to win it. The big uh, handicap at Ascot is the Pironi Nostro Azzurro Victoria Cup. And every Italian everywhere is now throwing shoes at the speakers going, my, mamma mia, sorry, I could, sorry, sorry, I've, I've started making pizzas at home. People during lockdown were baking and cooking. I couldn't be bothered to do it then. Now that the world has got back to normal, I've decided, yeah, I'll start making stuff at home. And I've gotten into the habit of making pizzas. So we love you, Italy. We love you. Um, the betting is headed by George Bowie's Badar at 7 to 1. Totally Charming is up there as well. Billy Locknan uh, was booked during the week, and that's surely a significant booking for George Bowie. Uh, and fresh... Who has already got a terrific form at Ascot, including back-to-back wins in handicaps, including a very valuable handicap on King George Day, uh, and then backing up with a win on the third of September as well it will surely go well. Drawn stall eleven, uh, and he's a nine-to-one shot. Mark, who do you like in the Victoria Cup?
1: I'm going to take a bit of a chance here on a horse who's making his debut for a new stable, and that's number fourteen Parota, who's joined Roger Varian. Um, I say I'm taking a bit of a chance because there's a possibility that they could well be teeing him up for the Hunt Cup in just over a month's time back at Royal Ascot and that potentially he may not be 100% here. But he had some smart form for Marcus Tregon in in group and listed races he was tried in a couple of competitive handicaps towards the end of last season. Didn't run particularly well in the Cambridgeshire. Ran a little bit better at Ascot on his final start, only beaten just under six lengths. And interestingly, Roger Varian had a horse that he'd um, got from Marcus Tregonning, I think it was just last week or the week before, um, that also won on his debut for this stable. He's off a mark of 97 now. And he's been rated on official ratings. He's been rated £10 and plus higher than that. There's a slight doubt for me that he may be better on quicker ground. And we don't really know which way the draw is going to play out in a race such as this. But all things being said, I thought at a double figure price, Perotto was worth chancing each way in here.
0: Tom, what do you think?
2: So I actually have a 10-to-1 shot for the 205 Phillies one that I completely forgot about until now. Um, and that's the the Glen Eagles Philly One Morning, uh, ridden by Safi Osborne. I think we'll take a really good step up uh, for a second run over one mile. I think she learned a lot at Kempton. She finished well uh, to finish third. So I think I'll take that one on a at, 10-to-1 at for the for, Victoria uh, Cup.
0: For Michael Bell. So that's the, uh, that is the currently 8 to 1 but we can get 10 to 1 with a number of firms whether you can get 2 quid on or an actual full stake remains to be seen but 10 to 1 is available for the 205 and that's Michael Bell's one morning and then for the big handicap the 240 the Victoria Cup
2: I think I have two shots that I can't really steer away from and that's uh Biggles uh and then also River Nymph who obviously won this in 2021 and then placed third again uh, last year at 25 to 1 goes well fresh um And I think we'll come into it a bit more now that uh, he's six years old.
0: Two nice picks from Tom. Faded in the Lincoln, but did show an awful lot of strength and potential before that. And I think he's going to be nicely weighted off a mark of of one, two, three. Um, And that's Badar, first time tongue tie or Baradar. Look, he's well found in the market at this point. Kevin Stott, George Bowie, he's a seven to one shot. I am very intrigued and totally charming. And particularly the fact that Billy Locknan was booked during the week for the ride. Um, but the more I looked at it, the more Baradar was the one I came down on. So no confusion there whatsoever. Uh, you can pick between the three of us as to who it is you want to side with in the Victoria Cup. A little bit for something for the Jumps fans, shall we? And our good friend Harry Derham, who had a terrific, absolutely stellar first season. And particularly considering he only began on St. Stephen's Day. Uh, so only had half a season, the numbers he clocked up were absolutely stunning. He's surely got a great chance of winning the Pretemp's network. Swindon handicap hurdle with Brentford Hope. Uh, he wears a tongue tie. Paul O'Brien has been a stellar for him in the saddle on board. Five to one favorite. Mark Milligan, we're doing a bit of the twig hopping before we turn to the French classics. Who do you like in the 315, the Swindon handicap hurdle?
1: We are doing a bit of twig hopping, aren't we? But surely, surely, surely it's a flat horse in here it was just going to be too quick for these boats, isn't he? <laughs> Brentford Hope. If the ground's on the decent side at Haydock, which unusually this spring, the ground appears to have been better at Haydock than it has been in most places, Thank which you. normally what is, we're talking about. What's going on? <laughs> Linkfield <laughs> is getting washed away.
0: <laughs> Ascot is, has got soft ground. And Haydock, where you normally lead a submarine to get round... It's good to soft. Up is down. Black is white. Cats are living with dogs. The world's gone insane.
1: It's like living in a parallel universe where Kirkland Tellwright's producing decent ground. I, I can't quite get my head around
0: it. I mean, well done to him. It's terrific. And I think any clerk of the course, like nobody really wants that job because you can never make everybody happy. But somehow he has managed to turn a corner at Haydock and is doing absolutely tremendous stuff. But I am starting to wonder, Mark and Tom, did they flick the switch on that large Hadron Collider? And have, has the singularity just happened and we've just gone into a completely different universe? Because something is very <laughs> weird these days. Trump is going to be president again. Jesus Christ, the whole world's gone mad
2: definitely the darkest yeah.
0: timeline <laughs> <laughs> community yes <laughs> try and have in the morning mark if you didn't get that leave the show now <laughs> oh he didn't say he did <laughs> oh no oh no community best comedy with the exception of cheers and Fraser. Uh, and only and horses all right uh, brentford hope continue your case
1: <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, sorry. <laughs> he was he was a very smart flat horse, wasn't he? Brentford Hope, albeit look, I I wouldn't go as far as to say he was a bridle monkey, but he's a strong, strong traveller, and he's taken that strong travelling over to hurdles, hasn't he? And it, it took him a little while to get off the mark. He finished second on his first three starts over hurdles, but he's really put it together on his last couple of starts. A feature of those two wins on his last two starts, again, has just been how well he's travelled. In fact, he's travelled better, I think, on his first few starts over hurdles. He was a bit too keen, and that's probably getting into like the slower tempo of hurdle races. It's just taken him a little while to adapt. The tongue tie has also gone on for his last couple of starts. I think he's still a decently handicapped horse here off 123. And if he's anywhere near the leaders at the last, he'll just do this lot for toe up the running. He'll just simply be too quick for them. He'll, he'll just streak away from them on the running.
0: Yeah, off a mark of one twenty three for a horse of his talent, I think I think he's got this by the short and curlies. Um, is it going to be six seasons and a movie, Tom?
2: <laughs> it's not, I'm afraid, no. No! <laughs> Who do you like? I really like... It's it's the same again. It's another kind of nine to one, 10 to one shot paramount beating his favorite last time at Ain'tree, but I don't think he really liked the ground that day. Good is going to be a bit better. He's uh won by a m- wide margin recently, uh, especially at Fakenham. And yeah, I, I think under Aidan Coleman going to be steered and bounce back. Uh, you look at his two wins before he did that comfortably. Um, even with Aidan Coleman dropping the whip on that one, uh, faking him over two miles. So I think as he takes them out again, it's he's clearly a great partnership with that horse. So I'm going to go for that one at around nine to one. Uh,
0: another value play and a very strong case to be made as well. And it's a good point to make about uh, Aidan dropping the, the whip. It still worked out. So yeah, Paramount, very, very interesting. Charlie Longsdon. Um, is Alice going to be on ITV that day? Hopefully she is. Because normally when the summer kicks in, sometimes she, she's off. But if she is... Uh, if this horse goes and, and does mark in my selection, Brentford Hope, she's fully entitled to lose her mind uh, and celebrate wildly, which would just be absolutely epic scenes. I seriously want to go and start re-watching YouTube clips of Community right now. Uh, <laughs> it's, if, you've never, if you've never watched Community, if you have no idea about the darkest timeline, Troy and Abed in the morning, or that epic scene where they get rumbled trying to... Acquire something from an office. Basically, they're trying to steal something, and uh, Annie Edison uses chloroform to knock out a janitor who's rumbled them. And in doing so, uh, Childish Cambino's character <laughs> runs around going, "I don't know what to do. My whole brain is crying! It's amazing. It's just absolutely brilliant. Uh, is is community
1: about. the one with with Ken Jong?
0: Yes. It? Yes.
1: Of 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 Hangover fame
0: and Chevy Chase. Yes. And the Chevy yeah, Chase I, thing. I have, in-
1: I've, I've never watched it, but I, I, am a, I am aware
0: of it. Oh, it's absolutely superb. Um, highly, highly, highly recommend it. They're doing a film. This is the thing. Early There was a TV show in America called The Cape, and it was on NBC, and it looked horrible. And you could tell it was going to get cancelled after five episodes. And that's exactly what happened. And they wrote it into the show. Community was very much aware of the fact and played... It was kind of like Moonlighting in the 80s. It broke the fourth wall continuously. And they had a character called Abed who would just look directly into the camera and speak to us. And they played that brilliantly, brilliantly well. But they were doing a a send-up of the cape knowing full well that show was going to tank. And um, Abed was going around pretending to be the central character. And it's in the, is it in the the canteen where he tries to take Jeff Winger's tray and the whole thing falls on the ground and Jeff just says, that show is going to get cancelled after five episodes. Six seasons and a movie. Well, Community ended up with six seasons and now it's getting a movie as well. So self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, Watch it. It's on Netflix. You can binge every episode right now. It's absolutely hysterical. Right. The classics continue. Uh, French, 1000 guineas. And the French 2,000 guineas uh, will begin with the uh, with the Phillies, shall we? Uh, it's 330. it'll be live on Sky. Uh, Mark the going is heavy and it's very Ooh. much going to be French form coming to the fold, but we do have never-ending story who was rerouted from the 1000 guineas to France. Um, they must have really liked meditation, then the ground completely went against her oh, Jesus Christ. managed to get Caldeen right managed to talk up Marge on this show did I back her in a single? Did I insert colourful language? No. Such was my bullishness about meditate. Um Are the O'Brien team going to be back in the winner's enclosure in a classic here, or is this going to be staying domestically?
1: I think they can get back into the winner's enclosure here, because I, for me, this isn't the strongest poolish that we've ever seen. The Blue Rose... Sten, Blue Rose, Ken? How are we pronouncing that? No, I'm, I'm asking Emmett Kennedy for hey, pronunciation. What, we, 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 you, you should know, just, know by that's now. A, that's going up a dead end straight. You like. should
0: know by now. It's like...
1: <laughs> <laughs> expert French Jesus.
0: pronunciation expert, uh, Kennedy. It may as well be an episode of <laughs> Hello, Hello.
1: <laughs> anyway, Blue Rose... Ken, Blue Rose, and she sets the standard on what we've seen so far. She's a really likeable filly, isn't she? Um, She's won five of her last six, done absolutely nothing wrong. But never-ending story, she intrigues me because first off, she'll have no problem whatsoever with the ground. I think the deeper, the better for her. I think she was beginning to look a bit exposed before we saw her in the 1,000 guineas trial at Leopardstown and she took her form up a good notch there, whether it was the extra maturity or getting back on very soft ground, probably a combination of the two, but she's bred to be a really good one, isn't she? By Dubawi out of Athena. And it would be really, really interesting for Coolmore to get a, a really nice Dubawi filly, I think. It's something that i think they've been after for for quite a long time and she could well be the one not the strongest race definitely not the strongest renewal of this race that we've ever seen so never ending story will do for me
0: yeah isn't the um isn't the winner from from during the week um isn't she dubawi as well where have I got that? Save
1: the last dance.
0: Yeah, she do To be honest,
1: I've, I've concentrated more on the damn side of her pedigree, because she's out of a really good American, isn't she? Daddy's little darling. Uh, true. Yeah, she's Galileo. Yeah. Galileo. Oh, I she is. Of course, her. she's a
0: Galileo. Yeah, it's the... Daddy's little darling. It's um, San Antonio is uh, is a one. Was huh? it...
1: I'm racking my brains Was it Daddy's little darling who came over for the Oaks and then unseated, bolted with Gary Stevens and unseated on the way to the start?
0: That's her. Actually run? That's her, yeah. For yeah. Kenny yeah. McPeak. <laughs>
1: yes. The, yeah.
0: the the best thing about that was, it was during the thunderstorm, wasn't it? The lightning strikes when mm. Enable absolutely bolted up. And he was putting up videos of himself, like selfies in the in amongst the mosh pit of the parade at Epsom, having the crack because after making all of that effort of coming transatlantic flight to get the horse over and that disaster happens, you may as well just kick off and enjoy yourself. Uh, but yeah, you you are absolutely right. Uh, Daddy's little darling was that horse in question. Um, and, and I think this is a, I think she's a very interesting runner. I think she's a really, really interesting runner. Um, but we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it pans out. I, look. There's, there's an argument to be said that they should have run Never Ending Story in the 1,000 Guineas because she would have had her ground. They couldn't have known the ground was going to be as bad as it was. And her rating just left her with a little bit to find. This race just isn't as strong. And yeah, no. we're, we're going to have an odds-on favourite. Well, at least she's an odds-on favourite here in the UK and Ireland in Blue Rose Seine. And she's got some pretty good form from what I can see in France. I'm, I'm keen enough to take her on. Um you know, she's a Churchill out of Jeremy. There's an awful lot to like about her. Um, she's got form with Victoria Road, who unfortunately has had a setback, so he'd be missing the Derby. But obviously he had terrific form last year. There's a lot to like about her, except her price. And Never ending Story represents a fair alternative. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to go with her. Uh, Tom, what about you? The French 1,000 guineas.
2: I have to agree, but I think maybe the play to go for would be an exacter on the two. Um especially after NeverEnding Story won uh, uh, Town on her seasonal debut. Uh, and that was against Matilda Picot, who obviously ran quite a big race in the 1000 Guineas mm. uh, last week. So yeah, an exacto would probably be the ideal way to go about it if you're, you're struggling to split the two.
0: Completely agree. And I absolutely love the exotic betting angle. Any opportunity we get to do that. Normally it's a Barry Faulkner American racing thing we do on the show, but when that opportunity presents itself, let's go. Um, Neverending Story is currently available at four to one with, uh, with a number of betting firms. So hopefully uh, that is something you can take full advantage of. Uh, as things stand, we don't have jockey bookings because, you know, oh, we do. They have suddenly come through. Correction. Uh, things have changed. I was very intrigued to see if we were going to get uh, Paddington in the French 2000 guineas. Instead, it is the chosen one, Hans Anderson. This has been the plan for him for quite some time. Ryan Moore is going to be on board. Uh, I'm hoping that Paddington will be heading for some kind of a derby trial uh, and we might talk about him in a couple of minutes, but Hans Anderson has been drawn in stall five and Ryan Moore will be on board and he's the one for me. Mark, what about you?
1: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the horse that sets a clear standard on form in here would have to be Isaac Shelby, wouldn't he? After Mm. He beat um, the Joculus Chaldean, didn't he? In the Greenham. But I'm just checking my calendar to make sure that it's, yeah, it's not 2004, is it? So Brian Meehan's not winning a Group 1. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so my what, was Brian. what was that? What was
0: that? Richard Hannon, you can sleep soundly. There's a new target for Mark Milligan. That. Jesus Christ, what did Brian mean do to you?
1: <laughs> Sorry. I, Here I he uh, is. Brian, so, Brian, if Brian's a listener, he'll know, he'll know I'm only just.
0: He's sitting around minding his own business and suddenly one of the stable staff comes running up to him going, you want to hear the shit talk this guy's doing about you on the final furlong mate? <laughs> it's not like Tom rushed in to go, Oh, that's a disgrace. How dare you say something like that?
2: Maybe you're saying how it plays
0: out. <laughs> <Fantastic> <laughs> approval from Tom. <laughs> yeah, your silence just was was deafening there. Uh anyway, moving along. So obviously he he did that on soft ground. Yeah, he beat the this Chaldean, but our Chaldean or whichever pronunciation was sp- supposed to go with these days. Um why are you against him though?
1: Um- Notwithstanding the fact that it's not 2004. Oh, <laughs> I, I walked into that one. Look, I, I tipped Isaac Shelby last year, didn't I? For um,
0: You tipped him twice. I think was the, you, you tipped him for yeah, Newmarket when, when he won. Yeah. Because uh, he'd been very impressed. They, they were talking about a classic for him after he won on debut at Newbury. And I'm somewhat skeptical of Newbury maiden form. It's not something I, I yeah. run up and down about. But he was really good in the superlative stakes. And I think you were making a case. I'm almost certain you were with me on Caldean and the Dewhurst. But I think you were making the case yeah. that, that Isaac Shelby would be the danger to him. And it just didn't happen. He drifted badly on the day. And he never really fired. But he was really good on his comeback. I just... Yeah, and it, it can't be a, a track thing because he'd won at Newmarket.
1: He, he won the Greenham, didn't he? And on the face of it, that looked a really good performance, but we don't know what Caldean would have done if Frankie Tory had stayed in the play. And the form of the others that have run has not exactly pulled up any trees, has it? Charin ran okay, I yeah. suppose, but Theory of Everything was absolutely slugged in a Chester handicap yesterday, wasn't he? Finished last in a Chester handicap, having finished third to Isaac Shelby in the Greenham. So I've I've just got a few doubts over that, the, the overall solidity of that Greenham form. And maybe that was just Isaac Shelby's day. That was his day in the sun. Um, the unfortunate incident with Chaldean just essentially enabled him to win a race that he might not have otherwise won. And I wanted to take him on with a horse who has done absolutely nothing wrong in France on his last two starts, and that's American flag. He's improved from start to start, winning the, the Prix de Fontainebleau last time at uh, at Longchamp over this course and distance. He did that nicely by two and a half lengths. A horse that finished fourth that day was beaten around about five lengths has come out and run okay since. On what was soft ground... American flag also ran a very fast final three furlong sectional. I think we got him in, in 35.3, which is trapping some on soft ground over a mile. And there's potentially more to come. So for me, it was American flag in here.
0: It's a solid case to make. Uh, Christophe Sumion in the plate, and obviously he's already won on heavy ground, so that's not going to be an issue for him, and the forecast is for heavy ground uh, again at the weekend. Tom, for you, Isaac Shelby, quite short in the betting at 9-4, to four, and I, would, I wouldn't I would necessarily be slating Brian Meehan as a trainer, similar to my colleague Mark Milligan. <laughs> he's subsequently been sold by the Sangsters. He's now running in, in different silks. They are not on the ownership list at all now, which I'm a bit surprised by. Maybe that's an endorsement. I, I would say that's a negative personally, but what is your own thoughts on the race?
2: Yeah, I mean, those negatives can, can pile up, but I actually am going to be flying the flag of Brian Meehan to hopefully repair the relationship with the podcast. Um, <laughs> I mean, to do, to do that at uh, the Greenham Stakes by three le- three lengths is, is pretty good. It's difficult to know how good that form is going to be, um, but I think he'll take a step up um, go into the one mile. And um, in something of this kind of a race, I think that's going to be... Crucial.
0: Yeah, I I I would certainly echo that. Um, What is the time form rating for Isaac Shelby? Because the your old friends at the Racing Post have given him an RPR of one two nine, which would have him miles clear of everything here.
1: Yeah, that's. um, I assume that's an adjusted rating because our adjusted rating is identical, actually one two nine, which has got him six pounds clear of American Flag, but we've still got the P. On American Flags rating, denoting that we believe there could well be six to seven pounds of improvement still to come from that one. So if you take that into account, that they're basically running along a similar trajectory to each other.
0: Yeah. So look, it's there. He was very good on debut. He was really brave and classy in the superlative stakes. The Dewhurst was a write-off, and horses can can have off days. And then he's bounced back at Newbury in the Greenham and, and won really well. It's just, it is questionable in that the second and third haven't really done a whole lot for the form. And obviously, Caldeen didn't run that day um, due to Frankie's spectacular flying dismount at the start. I really like Hans Andersen and I really like the price we're getting of him. Um, we're getting 13 to 2. Um, Aidan O'Brien has won this race multiple times, including with the great St. Mark's Basilica in 2021. I I am a little bit intrigued as to how good Hans Andersen is going to be. I liked that performance uh, in the Irish 2000 Guineas trial. And almost immediately after that race, they were talking about France. It, it was it was really never under consideration to come um, for the, the new market 2000 Guineas, for the actual 2000 Guineas. It was always going to be France. My enthusiasm is somewhat tempered by the fact that Bold Discovery was woeful on his next start behind Paddington. And he should have stepped forward. Like, the, Jessica Arrington's horses are in tremendous form. And he just took a, a, a real step back. However, the form aside from that, Aesop's Fables is going to be a good sprinter this season, I think. And maybe it'll be the King stand he runs in. Uh, certainly the Commonwealth Cup would be an option. But Aidan has talked about five furlongs for him uh, as being potential. And I thought he had a nice comeback. He's also got form with Al Rifa, who's going to start off in the Irish 2000 Guineas and will probably be a short-price favourite for that race. Uh, it appears I was wrong. Little Big Bear won't be going for the the mile. I thought they would roll the dice again with him. I think he's going to go for the Greenham instead, uh, or the Greenlands Stakes. So Alreifa should be left as a, as a short price favorite. He beat him in his maiden after running a, a nice race on debut, and then ran a, a fine race behind him in the Vincent O'Brien National Stakes and Group One company, only beaten four and a half lengths. Um, I, I, you can't control what Bull Discovery did for the form next time out, but he was very good visually in the Irish Two Thousand Guineas Trial. I think I was saying to you, Mark, in the review, that my view on him is I could see him as the jersey winner. Which isn't necessarily mm. what you want to be saying about a French classic winner. But it, it's not the greatest of races. It should be going for export. It should be Isaac Shelby or Hans Anderson until you've come along and made that very bold case for American flag. Um and I, I greatly respect that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with Hans Anderson here. I think the thirteen to two slightly bigger than that prices is is more than fair about him and and that's what i'm going to roll with uh which brings us gentlemen to best bets so no pressure tom it's your first appearance on the show you've swung for the fences with some good value picks but who is your nap of the weekend going to be
2: i think that's going to have to go to military order it might be a popular one but i'm going to have to stick with that one
1: i'm
0: liking that uh mark milligan for you
1: Yeah, I was in in two minds. It's a a toss-of-the-coin job, really, for me, because I really fancy both of these. Um, Timeless Melody in the 205 at Ascot and Brentford Hope in the the Swinton. As we're in the flat season, though, or properly into the flat season now, I'll side with Timeless Melody over uh, the jumps race.
0: Well, my nap is a lucky 15, because... You may as well just swing for the fences. So I'm going for military order. I'm very much with Tom. I'm very much with you, Mark, in Brentford Hope. We're we're ganging up on you there, Tom. We're taking you <laughs> Showing you in Paramount who's boss. Baradar. I really like Baradar in the Victoria Cup. And Hans Anderson. So that's the lucky 15 nap. Never mind the one selection. So let's shoot the lights out this weekend with the lucky 15 and hopefully it'll be a case of we're all on board the gravy train. Time to announce the winner of this week's competition. We have teamed up with the coolest racing brand around Racing Tees to give away an ultra stylish hoodie and baseball cap and you can get your fully customizable horse racing merchandise including t-shirts, hoodies, hats, gilets and much much more at racingtees.co.uk. You can even request your own colours. We're getting some Final Four on Podcast merchandise made up, much to the delight of Mark Milligan. g are on the way. We'll do a giveaway on that soon as well. But this week's competition winner is Ian T. Ian T247 on the Tweet Machine, the 247th of his name. Ian, Congratulations. Thanks for listening. Racing Tees will be in touch with you. A hoodie and baseball cap is on its way to you. And don't panic. There is another chance for you to win. In fact, if you go to my Twitter right now, at Radio Emmet, you can enter the new competition. We will announce the winner next week. Your opportunity to win yourself some really cool racing drip merch, whatever the kids are saying these days, uh, is available for you now, courtesy of ourselves and racingtees.co.uk, racing's coolest clothing brand. We are back with you on Sunday, Lucy Russell-Hughes and Sam Morgan will be here as we break down all of the key races, particularly the classic trials. And we're also gonna be talking about the big stories in racing. The Irish broadcast rights, there was a big twist in the tale with five rebel tracks, seemingly at the time of recording, Heading off to Sky Sports Racing, while the 21 other racecourses, including Dundalk, which was very much in the balance, sticking with Racing TV. We'll break that story down. And Sam wrote a great piece about the Princess Zoe story. He spoke to the owner, Pat Kyo. That's just a depressing story, quite frankly. But we'll delve into that as well on Sunday's show. If you haven't already, make sure you hit the subscribe button on your chosen podcast app and give us a five-star rating there as well. Both of those things are a huge help with the algorithm. Hit the subscribe button. Give us a five-star rating on Spotify. Tune in, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you're listening to us. And if you've already done that, thank you. But get access to another smartphone. Steal a smartphone if you have to. A five-star rating on whichever podcast app it is that you're listening to us on. And the subscribe button being hit is a huge help with the algorithm. We'll talk to you again on Sunday night. Have a great weekend. There's some spectacular racing on the way. Enjoy it. Hopefully, we have pointed you in the direction of quite a few winners. Look after yourself and each other. God bless.